Welcome, everybody, to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham DeWeese, and I'm back once again with my co-pilot, Brian the Soul Man Solak, and we have a very special happy holiday guest, one Seth Everett. How you doing, Seth? How you doing, Brian? Good. Welcome, Thanks for Seth. having me. This is fun. I'm ready for a fun podcast. Right you know, on. I don't do enough of these. <laughs> you know what? You're kind of the master. You're kind of the expert. You're kind of the legend in that you are... Uh, you teach a class on podcasting. Is that what I saw on your LinkedIn that you teach at the, at Syracuse university, a, uh, course. Yeah, I did uh, that a couple of years. Um, uh, we took this year off because of some COVID issues, but, um, yeah, you know, my story with podcasting goes back a ways. And so I don't have the arrogance and the ego to say I'm the best at podcasting because I'm not, but I'm probably the oldest at podcasting. Um, when I was working for Major League Baseball back in early 2000, well, late 2003, um, we had this idea to turn a portion of a radio show I was working on into an MP3. And on the MLB.com site that year, there were instructions on how to download that MP3 and put it on your hot new device, the iPod. And we were doing that for like six to eight months before we ever heard the word podcast. So when people to ask me about podcasting, what I tell them is I've probably been doing it longer than anybody. And it's a weird feeling, but I can't take that away. And I don't take the credit. I didn't come up with the idea because then I'd be trying to make a lot more money. But the issue was always whoever did never got his due or her due. But I think I know who it is and that to him. That's awesome. And I want to get to some of your new stuff, but let's just stay there for just one moment as a progenitor of that whole culture of podcasting long form entertainment. Um, is that a, is that a uh, spiraling out from your days at KJR as a, uh, sports radio, uh, host, or is that something new that you, you've, you and others might've seen at the time that, uh, there, there's a place for this. It's not just drive time. Well, it, it, it depends on when you're asking. If you're asking then versus now. Now, yeah, then, I yeah. believe podcasting is the future of the spoken word. Um, I think radio is dying a slow death um, just in what podcasts can offer. Uh, I have all kinds of ideas on how we can make them more integral in the cars we drive. But I think part of that is the cars that we buy are committed to Sirius XM. And I think once that changes, I think then podcasting will take its next step. Back then, it was different. It was unique because the iPod was unique. And the idea was, how, what were ways we could distribute the, the show? You know, I was working for Major League Baseball. We had a streaming deal. You guys are Seattle, so you might know the company, uh, Real Audio. Yep. And mm-hmm. at the end of the 03 season, that was the year the Marlins beat the Yankees. Uh, I remember we had this meeting and they said, you know, we're not off real, but our exclusivity ended. So now we can do what we want. What can we do? And so the first idea was to stay on real. But then what could we create? And then these guys created what was the right amount of content data wise that would be an easy download for listeners at the end of their workday to put on their iPods before they got on their bus or train or car or wherever it was. And I thought it was really a good idea because we would get listeners. The joke was we thought the word podcast was weird. <laughs> and the late, great uh, Daryl Hamilton, who I'm sure I'll talk about a bunch because he was my best friend. Uh, he was my partner at the time. And Daryl 
uh, he and I were both obsessed with Seinfeld. And do uh, you remember the episode when Elaine uh, hoards all the uh, the sponges, the, yeah. uh, the birth control <laughs> yep. sponges? And he, you know, at the end, they were trying to figure out if a guy she was with was sponge worthy. <laughs> well, when people would call up our show and they would, tr- you know, with these dumb trade ideas, you know how callers can get these really stupid trade ideas. And a guy would call up and Daryl would literally say, oh, come on, that's not podcast worthy. You want to get on the podcast, you got to come with something better than that. And like we thought it was mocking. It wasn't until I was a big Ricky Gervais fan and a big Kevin Smith fan. And they were early adopters to the podcasting space. And once I saw that you could create content and that was downloadable, I found that I was listening to it more. I became a listener of podcasts really early on. And the minute I got involved with podcasts, I stopped listening to radio. Now is, is, is that due to uh, a a need that you have? I mean, like there's still drive time radio, right? There's still people. No, it still exists. And it's not going to die in our lifetime. Don't don't, don't get me wrong. It's it's a slow death. (laughs) The, the, The thing about radio that podcasts offer. If you now fast forward to, to the modern, you know, podcast world. Um, if you're listening to a podcast, I listen to, for example, to sports radio stations. What I don't want to hear are their commercials, their traffic updates, right? Because I have apps for that. And I don't want to hear their sports updates because I already know what's happening. So what, like, for example, I still listen to KJR all the time. If my, you know, one of my dearest friends is Softy, and if Softy has um, Everett Fitzhugh on, I will download that and I will listen to that. The best part of that is, is if I'm listening to it and I'm in the car and I get to my destination, well, usually what I'll do is I'll flip it to my AirPods. And now I'm still listening to the podcast as I walk into the drugstore. What radio can you do that on? Yes, you can stream it. But then you're not listening to the radio. What I learned very early on, you know, I can remember as a kid going to my parents' car because that was the best place we got WFAN radio growing up because Mike and the Mad Dog were going to have George Steinbrenner on and he rarely did interviews. And I was like, oh, my God, that's appointment radio. Ironically, Jerry Seinfeld was on WFAN about a month and a half ago. And a friend of mine who I knew from WFAN put it on social media. She's like, get to a radio. Jerry Seinfeld's calling into WFAN. I said, why? It's going to be on a blog. It's going to be on a post. It'll be on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. It'll be a podcast. It'll be all these things. The appointment radio is no more. And that's because of what technology has brought. So, for example, if I'm listening to a podcast that I'm very into, and my mother calls me, the, I don't miss anything. The podcast stops where I left off. Right. And I just think that because you have this on-demand ability, I just think it's the future of how... I, I think the spoken word is not going anywhere. As long as we have transportation, I don't think the spoken word is going anywhere. And COVID was a great moderator because when COVID first hit and people were staying in their house, podcast audiences went down. But then once people started getting home gyms and and started to get back out into the world, 
podcast audiences rose again. And you can just see the transformation going on. Great. Um, so, like, I'm going to get to you in just a second because I know you have questions about uh, the new podcast and the Twitch that Seth Everett has. But I just wanted to ask both of you, do you or, and just maybe bring up any memories from the listeners of the show. Do you guys remember when uh, Real Networks broadcast the very first Major League Baseball game back in the 90s? They were like the first to stream a baseball game. Uh, it was the Mariners, by the way. Mariners versus mm. Yankees. Um, I no, forgot about just me. That. Was it just me? Okay. Right. It might have been just you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Go ahead, Select. <laughs> well, what I remember, well, just 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 to answer that, what I remember was uh, in the early two thousands. Um, once Real got out of the baseball game, um, what Major League Baseball was really smart to realize is they realized that most teams did not broadcast all one hundred and sixty two games, and so they cross referenced the calendar. And they would find usually it was midweek day games. Mm. And what they would do is they would take the scoreboard feeds because, you know, there are cameras, you know, filming everything for the scoreboards. And they would send us the MLB radio guys to call the game. So like in the middle of a random August, I would call Houston versus Milwaukee. And it was like, <laughs> it was the coolest thing in the world. Cause we would go to the, the city and we, we, I was calling big league games, but it was for MLB.tv in the very, very early, uh, you know, incarnations of That's the other thing MLB TV did that a lot of other companies followed um, was being, being, uh, you know, broadcasting everything and having, having that as a catalog of, of content. Uh, WWE, the professional wrestling network did it for a while. Um, yep. You know, NFL networks, obviously doing it in NBA uh, TV. It's you were, you got, that's fascinating. You got to be there on the ground floor of that as well. Yeah, they were, they were, um, they were very groundbreaking. Uh, it's just so funny that they were working for baseball, which is one of the most archaic sports going. <laughs> and yet, uh, the baseball advanced media people were, that, that was a perfect way to describe them. They were advanced and working there for eight years was a joy. It was such a neat, neat thing. And I only got that gig because the Mariners beat the angels on the last day of the 2000 regular season. They won the wild card in Anaheim. They went to the playoffs. They swept the White Sox and then wound up playing the Yankees in the ALCS. And I met Major League Baseball people in person because I was traveling for KJR. Mm. And they didn't know that I had grown up in New Jersey. And it, we had lunches. We, we hung out at the ballpark. Like I, I really got to know those guys. And about six weeks after the series ended, uh, is when I got the call to, you know, what I want to interview to move back. And I always say that if the Mariners lose that game on it, uh, on that Sunday in Anaheim, I probably still live in Seattle. Mm, okay. Mm, it's just, interesting. It's, you know, if you believe in that back to the future stuff, like that's the <laughs> one, that one baseball game, like I, I owe the existence of my children to one baseball game. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> You got your own Twitch channel. You're showing, I believe, Thursday night football games, but this weekend you're showing this Christmas Day game. Is that correct? Right, right. Yeah, Twitch is a, was a fun thing. I, I got involved in Twitch right before the pandemic, and then when the pandemic happened, um, Twitch reached out to me and was like, you know, would you want to be part of our sports program? And it was fun for a while. I was doing these talk shows on it. Um, but then the National Football League, you know, Twitch – Amazon owns Twitch 
And so the deal for Thursday night football, most Thursday night football games is there's an Amazon prime element to it. Meaning if you have Amazon, you can see it directly through Amazon prime. Well, what they did was they hired, I want to say 20 of us uh, across the country to, it's not just like a watch party. It's you put the game on your Twitch channel. And so people come to watch it. Um, it's really, really fun. It's very re- rewarding. Um, but the Amazon Prime game this week is the Packers Browns. I don't know when you're releasing this podcast, but um, if you're listening in the future, do me a favor. Tell me how the flying car is. Um, <laughs> the 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 this week the the last regular season game that's an Amazon Prime access game is the Christmas Day Browns Packers game. So I'm doing that game and not to the Thursday night game which feels weird because most Thursday nights I'm doing a Twitch broadcast and not this Thursday night. I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. So I have, uh, I have a question. What, what got you into the Twitch game again? You know, as I, as I take a look at your podcast, um, you know, that's, that's more of a audio medium. Uh, I look at your career, a lot of history in the, you know, radio, uh, Sirius XM, uh, Twitch, uh, that's that's a little bit more visual now. Well, yeah, I mean, I've done television. I worked with ESPN television, SNY, um, Bloomberg television. I've been on TV a bunch. Okay. Um, it was really relationships. Um, there was a guy who used to run a, a radio station out in San Francisco that I used to go on all the time. And when he left, he, he, he hooked on with Twitch and he brought me out there. Um, what happened out at, uh, a, a, as a situation um, when the pandemic hit, uh, former NBA player, this guy, Etan Thomas, who's a good buddy of mine, he called me up and he was like, I don't think sports radio stations should be shutting down. A bunch of small market radio stations were shutting down during the pandemic. And he's like, there's so many issues that need to be discussed. And I said, well, why don't we do it on Twitch? And so we started that. And then when George Floyd happened and a lot of the social justice happened, uh, Atan used it for his platform. Then Atan got hired uh, by, I think it's basketball news or something. It's a media site. And so he wasn't able to do it anymore. And what I didn't want to do was solo shows. Mm-hmm. And what I told Twitch was I felt bad constantly asking friends to come on. It just seemed to be like, I'm not a favor guy and booking my podcast is hard enough. So Uh, I stopped doing that. What I said I would do is I would do Twitch broadcasts if I could have something so I don't feel the pressure to talk. And so I got into gaming. You know, I was always a video game, sports video game guy. I did NHL 21. Now I do NHL 22. um, And I play FIFA on on Twitch. And then this NFL thing happened. My question, and I'm saying this on a podcast just because I don't think they know the answer. So it's not like a personal thing, but I don't think they can do the Twitch thing next season because next season it's Amazon prime exclusive. Mm. And Mm. if you have to have prime to see the football game, but if it's on Twitch, you don't have to have prime to watch it on Twitch. So they're kind of counteracting the purpose of why they got the rights to the games in my opinion. So I don't know if we're going to do it next year, but we'll, we'll try, you know, it's very fascinating. You're very into, you're very much into the business of sports and yeah. the business of broadcasting. I, I, I saw where you were, you were working with 
NYV, where's my notes? NYVC sports. So that's venture capitalists who, uh, who I'll let you describe it actually. NYVC sports is a a venture capital uh, organization. It was created by executives from the NBA, the NHL, major league baseball, and uh, the NFL. It's actually in the NFL commissioner's offices before before the pandemic, they would have these um, seminars and they hired me to uh, moderate their seminars. And like the first 45 minutes would be this networking thing. And when you, when, when it's networking, it's not like you're not meeting program directors at radio stations. You're meeting people who invest in teams and they invest in digital spots and tech people and financial people. And it's just, it's fascinating. And then what they do is they gather everybody for this, like, um, like a town hall kind of thing. And I would moderate. So that's how I met those guys. And a lot of those people became dear friends. They're very funny. One of the guys from NYVC was the, the lunch that I had right before Rudy Gobert tested positive and all the sports shut down. Oh. <laughs> and I always laugh because I was like, you're going to be the last restaurant I ever go to. <laughs> I was just curious, Seth, how you, uh, well, maybe you didn't fall into it. I was going to say, how did you fall into that? Um, how did you, you know, end up uh, writing for Forbes sports? I mean, there's, there's all these different things that you've done and it's just fascinating to, to go through your career and well, see I appreciate that. that. See, um, most of it's relationships. Okay. You know, I am a big believer in um, friendships and and um, just being true and being honest. You know, I learned at a very young age. There were two instances that I learned. The first one was I was 23 and I got asked to cover the Denver Broncos and I was very scared. I remember not, you know, there were these 300 pound linemen and I was like, this little string bean. And I just didn't know how I was going to get into know anybody. And John Elway was their quarterback and he was 37 and I was 23 and we had nothing in common. And so he would do interviews, but he wasn't like my buddy. And then I found out that a bunch of the Broncos uh, played Madden football. And I like sheepishly went over to them and I was like, are you guys talking about Madden? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, you play Madden. And I was like, you got to play with us. And so we wound up, um, getting together with a bunch of people, um, you know, to, to hang out. And the friendships became so real. The Broncos won the Super Bowl the next season. And when they had a parade, they invited me to a float. And I actually met KJR in Seattle because they had called me because they knew I was covering the parade. And when I called into their radio show, I was doing so from the float. <laughs> And so like, that's what I mean by like, it's all relationships. And the other one was when I got to the Mariners, what I learned and the best piece of advice I got from Tom Lee, who was my boss in Seattle was don't try to break anything. Just be ready to cover everything. And once I realized that players really took to me because they knew I wasn't going to break anything. I wasn't looking for something. It's something that today's reporter has a real hard time with because of Instagram and clickbait and all the things that are going on. So when I became friends with a bunch of players, I would go out for beers. You know, we would go down to pioneer square. We would go to 13 coins. We would go hang out and they could tell me stuff that was vital information on the team. And they knew I wouldn't reveal it. And those two relationships taught me that, as long as you can develop a real relationship, 
I think people will respond to you. So like NYVC sports was just, I had a friend who was there and he said, Oh, you'd be great for this. You want to meet this guy. And you know, we, we hooked up on Twitter or whatever it was. And the next thing you know, I was working, working there. And I hope, you know, you know, with the pandemic, you know, everything in, in question, I don't know when they're actually going to do these events again, but <laughs> I, you know, I didn't leave on bad terms, so it's nothing I, <laughs> I closed the door on. Right on. I want to talk a little bit about your sports with friends podcast. I was listening to the Adam white interview, uh-huh. but then I was going through the list and I saw so many other names. I was, I was like a kid in a candy store of all your guests that mm-hmm. you've had over the years. So I switched to and listened to the Ian Furness interview and that was nice. awesome. Yeah. How, yeah how, he was how, great. Right. Absolutely. How, how long have you been doing that podcast? So that podcast has a really cool origin story. Um, you know, it goes back uh, in 2009. I worked for ESPN and ESPN asked me to host the Baseball Tonight podcast because I was doing the Baseball Tonight TV show. And that's when I started to learn about the business of podcasting. Um, and then in 2015, the guy who was running ESPN's podcast left and he joined what was then called blog talk radio. And um, now it's Spreaker. And he was like, you should do a podcast. You should do a sports podcast. And what I really wanted to do was a comic book podcast, which is what became the hall of justice. But I did a podcast and Daryl, um, Daryl was working freelance for MLB network and he had just left the brewers. I had just left the Mets. Uh, so in 2015, we were kind of trying to find ourselves. And I said, we should recreate our old show into a podcast. And then I got it launched off the ground because I, I wanted to honor my commitment to this guy, Jay. And Daryl was waiting to get clearance from MLB Network. So we hadn't really put it together yet. And then in June of 2015, tragically, Daryl was killed uh, in a murder suicide. And he was my best friend in the world. And uh, he was my running buddy, my partner. He was, you know, just my best friend. And I gave up on the thing. I, I just was like, this is stupid. You know, I don't, I don't want to do this. Um, and then, they, you know, about three months later, they came back to me and they said, you know, what about this podcast? And I was like, you know, the only thing I really want to do is talk to friends. You know, that's been very therapeutic for me. You know, social media was my favorite place because strangers were going on Twitter and Facebook and just say, hey, I, you know, you don't know me, but I listened to you guys back in the MLB days and, you know, you were you were the best and I miss him and that kind of stuff. And my mother, I remember, was playing the game words with friends. <laughs> and I said, well, that's that's a cute. I said, what about sports with friends? And I said, all right, I'll start the podcast over. We'll keep the episodes we did, but I'll call it Sports with Friends. And the original slogan was every guest is a friend. And that was how it went. But then I realized that a lot of friends of mine are in PR. And so they would start emailing me uh, pitches like, hey, can you talk to this author? He wrote a book on this. And can you talk to this guy? Can you talk to this guy? And there's an early episode of I can't remember which one. But there's an early episode of the podcast where I say, welcome to Sports with Friends. Nice to meet you. And people on Twitter were like, how the blank do you call this show Sports with Friends? You don't even know that guy. 
<laughs> so I changed it to every guest is a friend or a friend of a friend. Uh, we play Jewish geography. And that was the idea. <laughs> so, so every guest, there is some connection um, on how I got that person on. And the guests range. So why I think the show has, the audience has, has done well so far is it's something for everybody. If you're a hockey fan, we had Martin Brodeur on. We had Patrick Elias on. If you're a basketball fan, we had, you know, Derek, um, not Derek, um, Lawrence Moton on or, or, or John Wallace on. Or, you know, we've had a bunch of NBA people, football people. You know, we've had quarterbacks on and, and you know, famous, famous people. We just had Jay Feely a couple of weeks ago, the former place kicker. And like all these different people. So it's, it's not a baseball podcast and it's not a soccer podcast. It's, it's everything. And what I love that has become of it is the one consistent variable in this podcast is me. And what I feel like, and I hope people who listen to it get to, if you listen to an, you know, any handful of episodes of that show, we've done 320 of these suckers is, you know, me. And that's all I ask. And that's it's, it's what I want the legacy of that podcast to be. I don't know how long I can do it. I don't know how long I will do it. But as long, you know, right now it makes money and it's cool because it has commercials and that kind of thing. So it's become kind of a job and it's um, it's a labor of love between that and the Hall of Justice, which has a, another crazy origin story. But Sports with Friends has always been a labor of love and it's a, a very personal thing and if i if i can recommend an episode um i recommend episode 100 um okay. who's episode the 100 was who's the friend tribute. what who's the friend on that on that episode well what we did it was very funny because i was up to episode 98 and eli manning had been on the show five times he was episode one and he had been on five times and that year uh i went to go record an episode with him and I said, you know, if I post something else as 99, you could be episode 100. And his response was, I had a crappy year. Uh, do me a favor, make me 99. I don't <laughs> think I'm worthy of 100. But I didn't have 100. So what I did was I went into the archives and I asked Major League Baseball's permission. And I took uh, segments of Daryl's last radio show. Okay. And it's just, it makes you it'll make you laugh and cry. And that the other one is the 300th episode. Well, 299 is the NHL commissioner, Gary Bettman, but 300. And this was something I took days to work on is I did a montage of like 90 seconds of about 50 of the best guests. So if you want a sample of sports with friends, 300 is like the best launching point because that one is that was it was, incre it was incredible to put together and i tried to do it it was really really funny we i mean we had a playboy playmate on the show we've had all kinds of random people are like yeah that's an audio show we had a porn star on the show lisa ann's been on sports with friends it's just it's just a wild adventure but the cool thing about owning your own podcast is you could literally do whatever you want you know people have said what's your limit and i said my limit is only something i don't think the audience would enjoy Right. That's the only, but that's my judgment. <laughs> so if I, you know, if I get a, a pitch for dildo ads, I can do that. <laughs> I won't, but I could. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, on that note, 
I, I know uh, that you used to work Sponsored for the by a dildo company. Oh, I, I was going to say you used to work for the Mets. That's not the joke. Um, oh, oh, the, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I need, I need you to settle an argument between, um, you know, what's right. And then what Brian Solak thinks. Um, okay. I think all these transactions that the Mets made, you know, getting Max Scherzer, uh, getting Sterling Marte, Kanha is great. And then, then my, my esteemed, my esteemed cohort thinks I'm out of my mind. I was just curious you as a, as a, as a Mets, Mets adjacent fan, or maybe you're a true Mets fan. I'm not. Oh 100%. no, I, I hate them with a fiery passion. Okay. I had a nasty divorce. <laughs> oh really? Actually, that might be more interesting. What, what happened there? A, uh, what yeah, happened but there? The, the people that I, I had issues with, they're not there anymore. They sold the team. And the okay. guy who owns the Mets now is the, um, the guy that the show billions is based on. Okay. Uh, you know, and, um, I don't know Steve Cohen. Uh, I, I, you know, he's fine, but uh, most of the people that I don't like there are, are gone. So um, it's very funny. Uh, Daryl, the late great Daryl had a, uh, uh, he was from Louisiana and he believed in hexes. Mm-hmm. And when he was released by the Mets in 2001, he put a hex on them. <laughs> and he kept saying every time something bad would happen to them, he kept going, you know, the, the hex lives, the hex lives. And when he died, um, I got a very cute uh, Facebook message on, uh, from somebody who said, uh, I'm so, you know, I hope you're, you're doing better. You know, Daryl's been gone for six months now. Uh, one question. Um, are you, does that, does his passing mean the hex is lifted? And I said, no, no, you didn't know he left it to me in his will. Uh, <laughs> the hex lives. And uh, I said, as long as the will ponds own the Mets, I said, the hex lives. Now they sold the team. So, uh, if people care, my whole thing is baseball's dying right now. And to me, it's unwatchable. So what the Mets do doesn't mean anything to me. Um, I'm not emotionally invested in the game anymore. And so what's happened, and it's sad because, you know, I owe so much of my career to, to baseball, but what they're doing now with the, the, the strikeouts and all the, the crap, it just, it just, um, it's a major turnoff. And uh, frankly, uh, what I don't think happened, unlike years past, is when Scherzer signed, I don't think it sold one ticket. And okay. that's that's the difference. I think that when um, what's a big signing, you know, when the when the Yankees got Alex Rodriguez, as much as I he's an asshole. Can you say that on your show? Yeah, sure. Yes, you, um, can. you can. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, oh, a taping. So I took a shot. Um, uh, you know, that created a buzz and I just don't think anything in baseball. So Max Scherzer signed and I don't even know how long it was the top story in New York. It just, it just didn't resonate uh, with me. And, you know, now they're in a labor stoppage and frankly, you know, they could, they could go away for years. I wouldn't care. Cool. So I think uh, what you summed up there, Seth, is I'm right and Brian's wrong. Nope. Um, but, <laughs> but you mentioned Daryl. Uh, I just want to make sure everybody out there knows who you're talking about. That's Daryl Hamilton, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, played 13 years in the big, big leagues, uh, played for the Brewers, the Texas Rangers, uh, the Colorado Rockies, San Francisco Giants, the New York Mets. Um, he is the author. You want to hear a cool story? Yeah. He is the author of the first ever interleague hit. Oh. <laughs> and 
And, and he only told me that because I thought interleague play was stupid. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, it's not stupid. I got the first ever interleague hit. It's great. And when he died um, later that year, uh, when they had the induction ceremony, a week before the induction ceremony, um, one of Daryl's sons was playing in a tournament that had a game in Cooperstown. And so oh, wow. this family from Houston that had just lost their dad uh, went to the Hall of Fame. And Jeff Idelson was the president of the Hall of Fame, a dear friend. Josh Rowich is now the president of the Hall of Fame, a great guy, good friend. But Jeff Idelson was there, and I sent an email to Jeff, and I said, listen, man, I know it's a week before the induction ceremony, your, your busy time. I said, but Daryl Hamilton's kids are going to be in Cooperstown. Could you leave them passes so they don't have to buy tickets at the museum? Could you just leave them something? And he's like, I got it. Not only did they leave them passes, they got him a tour guide. But oh, wow. they had taken, they had went through the archives of the Baseball Hall of Fame and found anything they could find memorabilia from Daryl's career oh. and created a makeshift kiosk in the museum and didn't tell them. So <sighs> as these guys are walking through the Hall of Fame, they see a massive exhibit for their dad. Wow. And that's cool. That was like. You, you want to, so when people say to me, they, tell me about the Hall of Fame, the nicest human beings on the human face of the goddamn earth. The Hall of Fame is a wonderful place. It's a wonderful museum. And the last time I was there was for King Griffey Jr.'s induction. And I jokingly told him, I said, I don't have any other friends that are going to get elected to the Hall of Fame. So, no, I'm not coming back here. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, were you, Brian, were you there for the King Griffey? No, you were there for Edgar, right? I was I was there for both. I was there for Griffey and Edgar. Oh, okay. Edgar's so, a great guy, and I loved covering him. But we weren't close. You know, Griffey was a buddy of mine, and and uh, it's not the other way around. Right on. I have to ask you: Are are you the person who made Shannon Dreyer famous by leaving the area? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't she take um, over your job? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Um, uh, Shannon is a great episode. Shannon's story. Uh, is actually two episodes of Sports with Friends. Um, it was such a great conversation. And, you know, I've made it my New Year's resolution to have under an hour podcast and never happens. But she was going into like two and a half hours. And her story is fascinating. Um, and I really, really uh, encourage anyone to listen to the Shannon Dreyer episode. The story from her perspective is much better than the one of mine. Um, my perspective was KJR had a contest and uh, she was pretty good. Um, when they asked if I would hire her, because I was a sports director, but I had a boss. Uh, my boss wanted to hire her. And I said, no, thanks, <laughs> because I didn't want to have to train her. Um, I just said I just said I was a big believer in uh, what I learned at Syracuse in my four year college. I just didn't want to tell her teach her this in like a week. Like, I, I just, I didn't, that's not, I, I thought that would be too much work. And I got overruled and they hired her and she wound up becoming a dear friend. Um, and she was very, very smart um, because she knew in 2000 that I had met the people at MLB. And it was very funny because she came with me one day to look at apartments because my lease was up at my apartment and I was looking for different apartment and I was going to move up by the U district and I was looking at apartments and they had no, she had known that I had gone back 
because I didn't tell anybody that I had gone back to meet with Major League Baseball. They just thought I went back to visit family. And uh, when MLB made me the offer, she was very smart. And she reached out to the Mariners and got very close with with the broadcasting people and and all the important people. And she did a really good job and she covered them for us for, for the first couple of seasons. And if you remember those years, they were great. Yeah. And I kept coming back, you know, because my first year at MLB, the Mariners are winning 115 games or whatever it was. And so, and they had the all-star game. So I, that was my first, you know, my, my first all-star game for MLB is my second all-star game. And um, she took the ball and ran with it. So what she has done is remarkable um, I, <laughs> I, I annoy her because, um, anytime I have young, uh, female, uh, aspiring sportscasters, I say, do not get into the industry unless you talk to her. I said, because her story, Susan Waldman is a, is a trailblazer in the female broadcasting, uh, baseball business. Uh, and her stories are remarkable. What Shannon's stories are is a story of perseverance and uh, it's different. You know, I, I think that every pioneer, but I think that when the epitaph is written about uh, women in baseball broadcasting, I think Shannon will be a major, major part of it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I dangled the carrot for her, but what she did, what she did was she took it and ran with it. That's some high praise there right on. Fantastic. Uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about your, um, comic book podcast uh and that's the hall of justice but i got a question for you uh i saw that you were involved with wizard world live um i was yeah was that, yeah was that what got you into doing a comic book podcast uh, well sort of um you know it was funny one of the key uh moments you know i got into comic books late in life um, I was actually uh, working for the student uh, campus TV station at Syracuse my freshman year, and I got asked to cover the death of Superman and in 1992. And I remember going, this looks like it's for grownups. Like this, this is not, you know, Biff Pow Wham, like what I had remembered <laughs> from the Super Friends growing up, you know. And I remember when the fervor of the death of Superman ended, I went back to that comic shop. You know, and I was just like, what's what's this? You know, and I started reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and reading. And um, then when I was at MLB, um, do you guys remember when Todd McFarlane, the guy who um, yep. created Spawn, he Rad- bought uh, like Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire's baseballs? Yeah. Yep. yep. And ba- MLB had reached out to him and said, you know, you should do a show. And we know this guy who's a big comic book fan you know, why don't you do it with him? So I did this weekly show with Todd McFarlane and I got to meet editors and actors and people. And I was like, wow, there's some really interesting stories. It's not, you know, the story, the, 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 the podcast that I had heard that were comic book related were like, who would win in a fight? Superman or the Hulk? And like, <laughs> that doesn't interest me. Um, they were very geared towards teens and youngsters and i was in my 40s and i I just didn't see that so when i got hooked on with wizard world wizard world originally uh hired me to do something that was pretty revolutionary they wanted to do like the espn college game day show but at comic cons 
<laughs> so you're like, you know how they like Chris Fowler puts an anchor desk in the middle of the campus at Alabama. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we would just put an anchor desk in the middle of a comic con and there would be people walking behind us that were cosplaying like in costumes, you know, and you could interview <laughs> actors and and um, mm-hmm. you would interview stars, but also writers and artists and, and just so many interesting people. And when uh, that guy, Jay, had reached out about the sports podcast, I had said, you know what? I'd really love to do because I think there's a lot of sports podcasts out there. I said, what if we did a podcast about superheroes? And he was like, like a geek podcast. And I said, no, no, no. Why don't we do it? Like, we'll treat it like it's sports. We'll have the same passion that we have for sports, but about this genre and we'll make it for adults. And how do we make it a podcast for adults? And he was like, well, how do you do that? And I was like, so I was like racking my brain. The, the name Hall of Justice, it's not because it was a DC podcast. The idea behind the Hall of Justice was uh, if you're the slogan is, if you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're our demographic. <laughs> and it was it was a, it was a, it was a it was a quasi message to the listener. If if someone was on a, when I was on iTunes and reads that and says, well, wait a second. I know what the Hall of Justice is. It's the building from Super Friends. I'm old enough. I, that's my podcast. Nice. And it worked uh, in the original. The, 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 the beginning, it had 12 listeners. It was nothing. Um, but then in 2016, I got really lucky. And Zack Snyder, uh, who was directing at the time, Batman v Superman, um, came on the podcast. And when he came on, he ripped Superman fans. <laughs> and someone from Variety heard it. And so there was an article written about Snack Snyder rips Superman fans on this podcast, and it had the link. And we got almost a half a million listens. Oh, right. And it went super viral. And so now that audience is cool. What I noticed was the shows that originally had 12 listeners now had 1,200 listeners because mm. people were hearing it because of Zack Snyder. And then they were saying, well, wow, th- this guy knows what he's talking about, you know? And then what we learned was that people on social media are not keen to spoilers. But if you put out a show where you're saying, don't worry, we cover all of that. Like, don't listen unless you've seen the movie. People gravitate towards that because they say, well, nobody can talk about Han Solo getting killed in Star Wars. Wait a minute there's a podcast that's already talking about it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what we've learned from the metrics that we've seen is the review podcasts do better than the guests. And some of the guests are like amazing guests. Like we got Ben Affleck on the show that didn't do as well as our Dr. Strange review. And it's like, what? But that's, the, that's podcasting, you know, <laughs> and that, that's, that's the way it goes. So the hall of justice is different. It's different than sports with friends in that not every week is a guest every week is a topic and that's different. So like, you know, this week we did Spider-Man no way home the next week we do Hawkeye and like stuff like that. And then when there's a lull in it, I'll find an actor or a voice actor or an artist or a writer. Um, There was a woman, for example, uh, that told me she, she was a, an advocate for gay lesbian uh, groups and she told me that the Transformers have a massive gay lesbian following. And I was like, 
that's fascinating. I didn't know that. It's the whole robots in disguise, the mm. ability to disguise who you really are. And so I reached out to this woman. And I said, would you come on the podcast and discuss that? So like we did a Transformers episode, but it's not who's cooler, Megatron or Optimus Prime. It's that. Right. You know what I mean? So we just mm-hmm. we try to bring some gravitas to the, the show with the same passion that sports fans have. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And uh, uh, X-Men, especially in the late 80s, early 90s, was a kind of an allegory for LGBTQ plus yes. uh, uh, people as well. And uh, racist, the X-Men and animated racism. series, some of my favorite episodes of the podcast, the cast, the voice cast of the X-Men have all been on the freaking show. Oh, they awesome. are some of the funniest, nicest people you've ever known. Um, it's it, <laughs> All right, I'll give you one example. The guy who was Wolverine in the cartoon, his name is Cal Dodd. He tells a story about his brother. He says, you've heard my brother. I said, how have I heard your brother? He says, you know the song Total Eclipse of the Heart? You guys know that song? <laughs> Total yeah, Pat, Eclipse Benatar, of the Heart? Pat Benatar. Remember the guy in the background that would go, turn around yeah remember that mm-hmm. guy yeah mm-hmm. that's wolverine's brother is that right oh, no shit wow <laughs> and you remember the song by billy joel uh the longest time whoa yeah 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 oh the lo-. remember that the, the guys in the background like that doo-wop group yeah that's that's wolverine's brother <laughs> he was telling me this, and i'm like get the hell out of here that's awesome <laughs> you know, so it's like it's that kind of fun like what I was planning on asking him was about X-Men. Right. What it turned into was like this who's who of who he knows. And it's just it's a fascinating. Uh, the girl who played Rogue in that show is a member of Canadian Parliament. Hmm. She's in the, the government. Voice, the voice actress. The voice actress, Lenore Zahn, who uh, was Rogue in the X-Men show. And she's going to be in the in the revival. She is a member of Canadian uh, Parliament. That's crazy. That's fascinating. And I got hammered <clears throat> with her at a bar in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> so is the, the accent pop. real? Is the accent real? No, she's Canadian. Oh, that's, she's no. Well, I thought and maybe was when French. she came on the podcast, this will embarrass her. But yeah. when she came on the podcast, she kept doing Rogue's voice. <laughs> and I was asking her about COVID because this was the beginning of COVID because she's a member of a goddamn government. Right. And I was like, what are we doing with this pandemic? And she would be like, well, sugar, we got to wear a mask. And I'm like, will you talk like a normal person? You're talking about people dying here. <laughs> I want to talk real quick about the Spider-Man. You, you brought that up. I listened to that episode. I forget the name of the gentleman that you did it with, but you guys had great chemistry together. But oh, thank, uh, the, the, the one that we released recently, the new yeah. one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Marshall, Marshall Harris. He's um, he used to be a Philadelphia sportscaster. Then he went out to Sacramento and then he went into Chicago and I just always knew he was a fan. So he's got all the chops. He's, a, you know, he has the talent to be a broadcaster because he's on goddamn TV and he has the passion for this stuff. And uh, yeah, nice. Marshall's great. Yeah, he's okay. great. This is my, here's my question. Toby McGuire is the best of all time. Am, am I right? Or who, who's your favorite? Oh, by a million. Uh, those movies are the best. Um, I mean, Spider-Man 2 is one of the greatest comic book movies ever made. Um, but if you heard that podcast, then you know that uh, Tom Holland is a wonderful actor, but the character he plays is an absolute idiot. And, you know, everything in his world is oops. And <laughs> I just, he's, he's, he's get, getting to me. Now, a lot of people are saying that 
the the events and i don't want to spoil it on your show here but the events of uh spider-man no way home is going to teach him to be the the hero that we all know him as great i'll be there but right now you've been a big pain in the ass so far do you think andrew garfield uh his his history has been rewritten a little bit with his performance in this uh and you know you look at like what do you mean he's in it (laughs) spoiler Um, (laughs) these these people that listen to us they don't they've tuned out um, they've tuned out when we got to comic books (laughs) i do you know i do you know the thing about andrew garfield is i think he is a, a fantastic actor and it's not his fault uh that he um was in two really bad movies um, you know, I have a, a big line in the Hall of Justice. I say it probably in every episode, because usually when we criticize a film, it's not the production value or the acting. Um, and our line is Ryan Reynolds was great in Green Lantern. It's not his fault. He fought a cloud. I mean, that's essentially what he did. He, he yeah. fought a cloud in <laughs> voice voiced by Clancy Brown in that movie. That's not his fault. He didn't do that. And so a, a lot of times. And it was really funny when the Masters of the Universe um, uh, TV show came out, the Kevin Smith uh, Netflix show came out. Um, the only people that I had access to were the actors. And I did a couple of episodes and I said, this isn't covering it. I said, because why does this happen? And why does this happen? And why does this happen? And their answers are, well, that was what was on the page. So we write right. it that way. And, you know, that's not a great interview. You know, <laughs> not that they were bad interviews, but what, what could they offer? Like I, that's why I like the writers. I like the lesser known people, the, the writers, the directors, the those kind of people. I want to know from them, you know, what were the decisions you can make? Well, yeah, and, it's like it's like if you asked a batter, you know, uh, you went four for four, two home runs. How come you lost the game? It's like what? That's yeah, what I was I did, supposed to do. I did everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My favorite line about that is uh, when Jose Mesa used to give up home runs in the Mariners. And uh, I remember it was my job. I had to ask him about uh, blowing a game. And I said, you want to talk about the home run, Jose? And he said, uh, I tell you what, man, I throw it as hard as I can. They hit it, they hit it. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So this, uh, I'm very fascinated. If we could go back for a second and talk about how you kind of cover the comic book uh, culture, movies, books, mm-hmm. but more with like a sports analysis. Like, how would you, how would you describe that to people? Um, it, it's like you said, like you said, it's less interview one-on-one, like, uh, but it's more yeah. what I think, I think the best way to describe it is, is that, you know, you can, you can break down a movie the same way you can break down a game. And, you know, when you have the breakdown of a game, you can say, you know, well, in this game, the run game was inefficient. So the, the, the defense altered their game because they, they knew they could stop the run. So they made the job harder for the quarterback, right? You can, you can say that. Mm-hmm. What I can then say is, you know, in this movie, um, this character, I'll, let's use Spider-Man as the example, continues to not just make the mistake, but he makes the obvious mistakes. Right. If you want to, if you want to take the other movies around, um, here, here's an example, uh, in the second Spider-Man film, when he get, he got fooled by Mysterio, everything with Mysterio was pointing out that he was going, not, not a good guy, but of course he gives him the keys to all the Stark technology and, and everything. Like he just, he just does it because he's, he's nice. And then it's oops. And he has to, you know, fig, figure it out, you know, in, 
in Infinity War, he accidentally got on the spaceship and in an endgame, he couldn't get the gauntlet to Tony Stark. He had to be rescued by the women. And when they uh, half the world got turned into feathers or ashes or whatever they, they got, he was the only one that cried. Everyone else just disappeared, but he cried. Like he just like they they went too young. And I don't think I just so. think I, I, in the Tobey Maguire movies and in the Spider-Man animated series, um, you can say that those are the best iterations of Spider-Man. That, to me, those are the two best iterations of Spider-Man. I don't and know. In I, both those he's in college. I have to I have to push on this one because sure. he is 16 or whatever, you know, uh, however old it would make more sense that he would make dumb decisions that he would uh, fall into father figures without a father. Okay. But in this one, and in, he comes into this one and he's been to F in space. <laughs> he, he, he can't Dr. Strange who saved his life. Dr. Strange saved his life in, in Avengers tells him, don't do this. Send them all back to their worlds. And he doesn't because he doesn't want the bad guys to die. <laughs> stupid. But that idealism runs rampant in stupid I teenagers. I saw the trailer and I went, that's... Oh, of course that's how these are these <laughs> bad guys oh, dumb move he makes. I, I could I I I assume that uh, on these sh- uh, episodes, uh, uh I've only listened to this the Spider Man one, but the previous Hall of Justice ones, uh do you have do you have people with differing opinions join in as well? And uh, we try to, you know, know, for a while I had one guy uh, that was doing it, this guy Victor Dandridge, and then he he got this production deal and he couldn't do it anymore. And so what I decided was rather than get one other person, I try to have different people. That's I have cool. um, I try to you know vary it up and um, you know keep it fresh. I have this college professor who teaches a course on Marvel. Oh really? <laughs> Which is pretty awesome. Um, so he, you know, he comes on and reviews certain things. Um, I have this guy who is a uh, stand-up comedian out in California. He's going to be next week's episode. We re- we already recorded it, and it's uh, for Hawkeye. And um, yeah. that's all, you know, in the in the can. I just have to put it together and and stuff like that. That's the other thing about the podcast is I edit them, and I'm kind of a control freak that way. Is that I edit the podcast, and you know. I always laugh at the end of the New York times podcast, the daily mm-hmm. it's like super high quality, like super high edited. And then at the end, they thank eight people. Yeah. <laughs> give me eight people. My podcast will sound super freaking edited too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Our podcast usually just, uh, and devolve into me yelling at Matt page. Who's not on this particular, uh, oh, okay. podcast, but Matt page, the secret word is halitosis. Halitosis is the secret word. I expect you to repeat that back to me next time you see me. Um, but <laughs> but well, anyway. Yeah, but since the pandemic, you record these in separate places anyway, so you wouldn't even know. Oh, he's supposed to listen to this show. That's right. The, that's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, your show sounds really interesting. And as a lifelong uh, uh, comic book guy myself, I I, I, I love debating, uh, yeah, engaging in conversation. That's, that's what it is. And you're right. Yeah, it's debate. It's it's yeah. it's debate, and then it turns into, you know, whenever it's a guest, there's always a point of where I'm trying to go, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, it was really cool. Sometimes uh, I I put together uh, episodes that really cover a topic. Um, one topic recently has been these comic book creators that aren't getting paid when they take their comic books and turn them into these multi-billion-dollar movies. Yeah. Um, there's a story of Ed Brubaker. Um, and I just had Judd Winnick on a couple of weeks ago. He created the Red Hood, 
uh, in mm. DC's yep. world. Uh, and just, you know, he signed a work for hire, but he signed a deal where he gets publishing rights. So if they turn it into a TV show, which they did, you know, but I know, you know, other guys who created these comic books and they, we also had about two months ago, we had a Tony Isabella, who's the creator of black lightning. And he, um, he tells the story about, you know, what it was like to when they negotiated to put that show on the CW, you know, and that, that stuff's interesting. And that's stuff that other podcasts aren't covering. In my that's, opinion. that's awesome. Um, Red Hood was the antecedent for that's, the Joker. No, it's uh, it uh, Red Hood. What? Yes, it was. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Okay. But um, in uh, modern times, Judd Winnick created a book where um, Rachel Gould uh, resurrected Jason Todd, who hmm. was the second Robin. Right. And he uh, he is brought back to life with a with a chip on his shoulder, and he becomes the Red Hood. And oh, I think it's okay. and they th- it's a red herring that it's connected to the Joker. Ah, okay, okay. Gotcha. And there's an amazing um, a- adaptation that Judd Winnick actually wrote on uh, called Batman Under the Red Hood. Uh, and if you see that movie, it's you know it's on um, HBO Max right now. Uh, could be one of the greatest animated movies. It could wow. be one of the greatest superhero movies ever. Ever. All right, I got to check that out. Bruce Greenwood plays uh, um, plays Batman in it. And um, Jensen Eccles from Supernatural plays uh, Jason Todd. Wow, I don't and know. Can there it's be so good? Can there be another Batman other than Kevin Conroy? At least well, Kevin Conroy has been on the podcast a bunch. Has he really? Uh, is, That's cool. Yeah, he's he's been on a bunch of times. Uh, very he he comes on a lot. Um, anytime he does a Batman thing, he wants to promote it, and it's that's his his motivation. Um, we've had him on a, a handful of times. Uh, very very cool. There's one episode where I did a live panel with him uh, and Dean Kane. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Superman on the uh, yeah. event. But if you ever follow Dean Kane on Twitter, um, it's not one of our more popular episodes. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, a very, very right-wing, anti-vaxxer kind of guy. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that podcast didn't do as well. Uh, I thought people would listen to it just to hate it, you know? Uh. <laughs> yeah, right. But we don't talk about that kind of stuff. I just... I was worried that it was going to go there. And I was like, <laughs> cause it was live. And I was like, what's he going to say? But yeah, I will give credit. Um, we've gotten some political things on uh, Chris Dudley um, uh, was um, uh, he ran for governor uh, of Oregon. Mm-hmm. And then Jay Feely is very good friends with Donald Trump. Mm. Um, and both podcasts went there, but were not uh, argumentative or, or, you know, disgusting in any way. They were such polite discussions that I wish I could send the episodes to Congress going, this is how you talk to people. (laughs) (laughs) One person talks, the other person (laughs) listens, then you switch it around. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 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 Um, I got, I got one more baseball question for you. If you don't mind me asking, um, Ken Griffey Jr.'s now own part ownership with the Mariners. Do you think that's going to help bring bigger name players to Seattle? Um, it can hurt. It couldn't hurt. I think it's uh, it's great. You know, one of the things that we covered with the uh, most recent episode of Sports with Friends is that despite uh, baseball's decline in popularity, uh, valuations have gotten higher. And so what I think happened is they owed him so much deferred money anyway that I think it was easy for him to get a piece of the team. And I, I hope that works for him. What I love that 
Griffey has felt. Uh, and he did a couple of episodes of Sports with Friends. He's been on twice. Um, is I think he has a greater appreciation for Seattle by leaving it than he did when he was there. And I think it's super rewarding to see um, the ad- ad- adulation for him. I just, I, I just, I think that he really, I think it's good for his soul to go there. You know, his kids are growing up now and it, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's good for, good for him. And uh, yeah, there's a right funny uh, YouTube you video out there where he is on camera saying he made my career. <laughs> it's, it's really <laughs> funny. Um, and I told him I wouldn't put, put it on any social media until he got into the hall of fame, but when he got in the hall of fame, I put it on YouTube. I got a question for you uh, th- I, <laughs> because you have such a close relationship with Griffey back in Oh uh, nine or whatever it was uh, when he came back to Seattle. Uh, I, I can, I can speak as a Mariners fan, what that meant to Mariners fans. Yeah, sure. But uh, do you have any insight as to what it meant to him or uh, baseball in general? I think it was just someplace where he felt appreciated. And I think that, um, you know, one thing I've learned from covering sports for as long as I have is uh, athletes have a real hard time walking away. You know, one thing, for example, I tell people in the media, it is never your right to tell an athlete to retire. I, whenever I hear a sportscaster, whether it's television, radio, podcast, writing, never tell an athlete to retire. Unless you've done it, you have no right. And the, the one thing, and you know, I brought this up recently with Kyrie Irving uh, when I was talking to Chris Dudley. You know, I don't know Kyrie Irving, and I don't know him at all. The fact that he's missed this half a season because of what I think is a ridiculous reason is his loss at the end of his career. He will wish he had that half a season back and no one can relate to that unless you're an athlete. And so for Ken Griffey jr. He was at a crossroads where, because he, it wasn't a situation where any team would sign him. You know, it had to be a team that appreciated him for, for who he was and what he could offer a team, not just what he had done. And the Mariners were the perfect organization. And I think it's just a, a good, healthy mix uh, there. And what I hate about it is I think he then played uh, more games when Shannon was covering the team than I was. And I'll never <laughs> forgive her for that. <laughs> All right. Great. Well, Seth, I want to thank you for being on the show and yes. I want to, uh, I want to guide everybody listening to our show. Uh, for those of you who like comic books, go to Hall of, Halls of Justice uh, or Hall of Justice, uh, the podcast, and then Sports with Friends for your sports uh, content. Sure. And check out, I yeah. guess, uh, this Saturday, uh, Twitch, one thirty, the Browns. Yeah, one thirty Pacific time. The Browns and the Packers. Just uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Seth underscore Everett, and um, I'll put out the link to the Twitch channel. And uh, you come say hello, say you heard it on this and we'll talk about this podcast and we can literally talk about anything. What winds up happening is if there's some kind of topic that goes on, we wind up talking about it while the game is going on. (laughs) And then it's not play by play of the game. It turns into the difference between that and like the Manning cast is that the listeners drive the conversation like it's not me. You know, yeah, I'll say, oh, well, there's a big third down here. Let's 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 watch this or here, you know, pipe down. Let's let's listen to the 
the, um, the the call on the field, you know, on a penalty or something. What <laughs> what the technology, the way it was taught to me, uh, was you can make it that anytime my mic is used, uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are lowered, but they're not muted. Okay. And any and and in order to raise them, all I have to do is be quiet. So if literally we're in the middle of talking about something, and then out of nowhere. There'll be a, an injury down the field, and they'll say, let's go to Aaron Andrews. She has the details on the injury. I'll say, all right, shoot. And then instantly, her voice goes up, That's and awesome. then I can react to it. It's really, uh, the technology is really cool. pretty amazing, <laughs> and it's really cool. What, what I've been told is we're doing this Christmas Day game, and then we're getting a playoff game. Oh, nice. We do not know which playoff game it's going to be, but we're getting a playoff game the week of January 15th. Um, there's like seven games that, that weekend, but it's going to be a playoff game. So there'll be a chance like two teams playing for their playoff lives will be uh, battling and it'll be a lot more fun. Uh, it's, it's been a really rewarding uh, experience. The Twitch thing is really fun. That's awesome. Uh, all right. So the way we end these shows, is we always end them with a shout out. Uh, and Seth, that's just basically us trying to end the show on a positive note. Um, we'll right. go around We'll go around the circle. And then when we get to you, Seth, feel free to shout out any of your uh, social media as well uh, oh, for okay. people to contact you. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to my son and to my dad. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And, uh, you know, it sucks that I can't be I can't be with them on uh, uh, on that special this special weekend. But, uh, heck, it's going to snow, so probably couldn't go anywhere anyway. <laughs> Brian, over to you. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll just go ahead and give a shout out to my wife. Uh, happy holidays, honey. I love you. Thanks for putting up with all my bullshit this year. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, I'll make you guys laugh. Then my, I'll turn my shout out into a, a funny story. Um, I met my wife in the press box of the old giant stadium at a jets game. And when giant stadium was being torn down, uh, we went, we did a round table at ESPN on our favorite giant stadium memories. And I said the Marino fake spike <laughs> and someone came over to me and said, uh, doofus, you met your wife in the press box. That's your favorite. <laughs> so my shout out is to the guy who saved me. So I did the right shout out at the end of giant. Stadium. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and where can people find you on social media? Uh, the best place is Twitter, uh, at Seth underscore Everett. I'm on Instagram. It's Seth Everett underscore. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I, I can't say that I, I don't go to Instagram first. I go to Twitter first. Um, what I like about Twitter is my followers are real. Uh, anytime Twitter purged uh, the bots, uh, I don't lose any followers, which is really nice. fun. Um, it's very rewarding. Um a lot of people have have um, connected. You know, I've met some really amazing people. I got to work with Prince because of social media. So it's literally like Twitter is, is, is just social media is to me a wonderful thing. It's now become a cesspool. <laughs> and I'm aware of that. But if you can weed that stuff out, I highly recommend to everyone get a burner account. <laughs> I have a burner account. I love it. No one knows what it is, and I can write whatever the goddamn thing I want. And it qualifies. <laughs> it qualifies you so, to be. It qualifies you to be GM of the 76ers as well. So, right, you that. can. You can. Do, oh, I can do anything. <laughs> I can do politics. I can do uh, COVID stuff. I can do 
you know, crazy stuff, whatever it is, I write it and there's like four people that have figured it out and those people get a big <laughs> kick out of it. It's such a great thing because it keeps you out of Twitter trouble. <laughs> Keep you out of Twitter jail. That's the important thing, kids. Stay out of Twitter jail. Uh, yeah, well, exactly. thank you. Thank you to Seth Everett, Seth Everett for joining us this week. On behalf of Brian the Soul Man Solak, I'm Abraham DeWeese. This is the Seattle Sports Union Podcast, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>